0: Hello and welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Zwift is the app that connects you to cyclists all over the world and makes indoor training fun. There are structured workouts, training plans that are really easy to follow, online group rides, and why not try a few races? You can also organise a meet-up with a bunch of friends. You might just have to make your own coffee at the end. With Zwift, you can even listen to this podcast while you ride around the Champs-Élysées. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free 7-day trial, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Right on!
1: Bonjour, 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 and uh, welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Uh, before we start, Let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to our podcast on our website sbs.com.au sport or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me today is Gracie Elvin. How are you, Gracie?
2: Bonjour, Christophe. It's so nice to be in France now, a few days in and also good to be with a Frenchman in France. (laughs) Uh,
1: Thank you. (laughs) Um, Racing today, we thought the stage could be a boring one. It was not a boring one at all. Attacking, attacking, attacking all the way.
2: I know. I really thought it was a day for the breakaway I thought after yesterday so many tired bodies out there a lot of riders especially GC they probably just wanted to have a little bit more tranquilo day with mm-hmm. a bit more relaxed but what, man, what those, happened? those what first happened? two hours were full <laughs> on they were just going attack after attack what were they averaging uh,
1: 52 kilometers in the first hour
2: that's crazy
1: 52 km an hour for first hour of something we thought was gonna be just a quiet you know, breakaway would go and that's it. But the Peloton decided to not let the breakaway go. Is that how it unfolded?
2: Yeah, I think it's. it was a really... Uh I don't know a dynamic way to finish a bike race and I think there was a lot of invested interest from a whole range of different riders not just sprinters so you know we saw bike exchange trying to get into the breakaway but also maybe hedging their bets because it was a great sprint for blink so I think there was a few teams in that boat
1: Yeah you no know, in football the the saying is uh, we play 90 minutes and at the end Germany wins uh in cycling it's almost they ride 5 or 6 hours and in the end Slovenia wins pogetcha <laughs> Uh is there anything you can do
2: I know. I think the whole peloton is just shaking their heads every day. Yesterday, he made the cobbles look pretty easy. I think a lot of us were thinking, "Geez, that's pretty impressive." It's not something that you particularly expect. But Maka made the comment, he, "If he really tried, he could probably win any race." And I think that's true. I think. And today we saw that he he just had this explosive finish, and he's beating guys that are a, a specialists in mm-hmm. that kind of finish. So it's like. What are you going to do to beat this guy? <laughs>
1: yeah. So he, he claims yellow jersey, and then we'll talk about this in, in a second. But uh, if he claims the yellow jersey, that means Wood van Aert is losing the yellow jersey. Uh, what happened to Wood van Aert today? He tried so hard to be uh, up front, to be leading by attacking. Uh, in the end, it didn't work out.
2: No, look, I, I'm going to be a little bit critical actually of what today. I think very heroic ride, very impressive very close to winning the stage but in my opinion he probably needed to just have a bit more of a relaxed day save his energy, look after his teammates, you know, they're coming here with really big ambitions, they're not coming here just to win the green jersey, they're coming here to win the yellow jersey as well and I think that's their bigger objective Mm -hmm. so he is but, an but impressive at some point, athlete, but he's going to still run out of gas eventually.
1: But at some point, and sorry to interrupt, but at some point in the, in the bus we were half joking, joking. What if Wood Van Aert was their actual leader? Their leader? And then they fooled everybody uh, because they were really putting the hammer down. And he was not looking after his natural leaders because he's got two leaders in the team. He left Roglic and Vingegaard uh, behind. Uh, you're right, there was a bit of a strange tactics.
2: Well, he was looking after them yesterday on the cobbles, and that's arguably a better stage for Wout to win. So why would he leave them behind today? And I think... It's kind of interesting. I'm really interested to see how the Yombo visma tactics play out. If they're just going to sacrifice Primo- Primoz Roglic to look after Vinagort this year, or if they're just still going to look after both of them and see if they can play a bit against Tade Pogacar's team and isolate him. I don't know. I think that they've got a lot of work to do. And putting Wout out for such a long and difficult day. There's no flat roads today. It, I think that was a mistake and they're going to pay for it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, as we just said, in the end, uh, Pogachar is in yellow. He was in the, uh, the white jersey yesterday. Yellow sort of suits him a bit better. Uh, it's a sort of leader that you think, okay, he's claiming the yellow in stage, you know, six. And he's, he's someone that can actually bring it to the end. For he can sure. bring it to Paris
2: for sure. I think a lot of people are thinking in the mix zone, I was just in that mix zone. I got to interview him at the end of the stage today. He was surprised, but he was much happier. He seemed a bit serious. The last few days, I've seen him in the mix zone in the white jersey, but in yellow. He had a bit more of a smile today, but I don't see people taking it off him for a while if not for the rest of the tour he's probably would be glad to give it away for a little while but I think he's going to be in that yellow jersey for the majority of the rest of the tour <laughs>
1: yeah that, that's the color that suits him so well we've seen him in the last two years in in, uh, in yellow so uh, absolutely you know maybe today is one of the those days where the tour was played out or at least most of the the, the, the contenders played out uh, for, from this tour uh, if we look at the, the Australians Michael Matthews you mentioned that was a, a stage for him First of all, we listen to Michael Matthews.
3: Yeah, I mean, I tried, tried everything today. The team did a great job positioning me into the final. All day, uh, did a great job. So, I mean, it was freaking hard out there in the final. But I just had to believe in myself that I could uh, try and fight for that victory. And I knew the wheel I had to be on was today. And uh, I think it was Pitcock who was fighting me for the wheel in the final there. I thought well maybe the final a little bit too early so I let him in and uh, he couldn't follow the wheel in the final and Tade got a gap and had to try and run at him but it was too late. So do you think
2: you had the legs it was just more
1: about the positioning?
3: I mean yeah I think the problem was fighting third wheel for Tade's wheel with uh, with uh, Pitcock. Both of us were sitting in, in the wind sort of thing and it was already Full gas up that climb, so I thought, okay, I may as well uh, go one wheel back. It was only fourth wheel with a K to go, so I thought that was also okay.
1: So that was Michael Matthews. Um, a bit of a bitter day for him because that was on paper, there was a stage for him.
2: It really was, and I think his team did a really good job today. I think early on that they they were trying to get guys into the breakaway. They were even trying to get Michael into the breakaway as well. Uh, I think that they knew that it was going to be a tough day. They knew that was probably their best shot in getting a stage win, but at the end of the day, if it all came back together, Michael could still do well in a bigger group on that finish. And, man, it was so close. If it wasn't for today, he would have had it and that sounds like a silly statement but I feel like everyone's riding for second place, not just for the overall but for some of the stage wins unfortunately. I got to talk to Michael at the end right on the finish line, he was still pretty puffed but he, he looked frustrated but actually not as frustrated as some other days. I think he knew that he gave his best, he knew that the team gave his best so overall I don't think that they made any big mistakes and it wasn't anything that they could change.
1: hmm Uh and, and do you think this frustration can help him really bag a, a a win somewhere along the way a bit later on? Can he fuel from this?
2: For sure. I think that he's in really good form, if not some of the best form that we've seen him for a while. It was I think five years since his last Tour de France stage win and he's had a, a couple of rough years but I really think that he's coming out of it. He's got really good team support. He he seems a bit more relaxed. Uh, he still seems super focused. He's a, quite a serious guy in a mm-hmm. lot of ways but I think, you know, he's he's much more mature rider than he was five years ago and I think for sure he's capable of winning a stage it's just about you know timing it and some luck and and all those factors yeah. that go into tour de france racing
1: what's the atmosphere you're close to the team you 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 know name inside out what do you think the atmosphere is today in 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 the, the the team backing change they've had a win already uh we talked about the getting the monkey off their back at least in this tour and on the the shoulders of uh, of dylan Groenewegen. but uh, what 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 are the riders, the staff, the, the DS, is feeling today, going further into this tour?
2: I think that they come away with this really positive. And as I was saying, with Michael's demeanor at the finish today, it wasn't. There was no blame. There was no, you know, anger. I think that they knew that, you know, so close. We pretty much nailed it. Just didn't quite get the win. Going forward, let's just keep that momentum going as a team vibe it's it's usually pretty light-hearted away from the races they're probably having a nice time at dinners the, the DSs are great. They're they're keeping the mood positive. I know Matt Heyman was really buzzed about yesterday's mm-hmm. stage on the Roubaix cobbles and, and Whitey's a really great leader for the team. So having that win as well is is massive for the team. And I think that they're they're in a really great frame of mind and they're going to use that going forward. And I think sometimes when you keep losing all the time, that's when you start going downhill. But I just don't think that they're in that point yet i think they're still going up
1: <laughs> yeah uh, what what is it like actually if we just go a bit on the inside of, of a team what is it like on a grand tour because we see the riders mostly on their bikes that's all we kind of see from them a little bit before maybe a little bit after but we don't really see what's going on in the hotels and the dinners and that part is as as essential as the as the, as the work i guess to work together
2: for sure look i i think that the green edge team have always been a really close team, no matter what the composition. They don't use their phones at dinner times. They okay. talk. They have nice conversations. They're probably gossiping is, a is little that a bit. Rule?
1: Is that a rule? No phones at the, at the table? I think it's
2: a bit of an unofficial rule. Uh-huh. It definitely was for the women's team. And we often shared hotels in the classics races the one-day races and the men were the same they they never use their phones at dinner they were always chatting laughing as i was saying gossiping men love to gossip too <laughs> don't are you on the,
1: are you on the whatsapp group for the gossip or uh, no? no not anymore <laughs>
2: <laughs> um but look now nah, it's a really great team and um I think it's always been a big value for the team to bring on riders to win, but also to bring on riders that gel well with the rest of the composition of the team.
1: Mm-hmm. If we uh, go around about the the other Australians, uh, we have a GC contender, of course, with uh, with Ben O'Connor. Uh, he's been having a couple of rough days. Ben, what's been happening today with him?
2: Yeah, super rough. I, I saw him riding past the finish line. He wasn't very keen to give any interviews today. He looked frustrated. I think he lost a couple of minutes again today after yesterday's really rough day on the cobblestones. I think he's really feeling that sting now of disappointment of just not quite getting it right in this first week. And it, this first week is always so crucial to the GC mm-hmm. riders, unfortunately. Uh, it's it's really tough and As we're saying with momentum, I think his momentum is is on the down now unfortunately and he's gonna have to work super hard with his mentality and with the people in his team to keep pushing moving forward. And using that Matt Heyman phrase, just keep riding it. You never know what's gonna happen. It's still, you know, more than two weeks to go. Anything could happen today to today, anything could happen to the Yumbo Visma team, you just have to Take it day by day. He looks a bit sore, actually, when he got off his bike today. So I think he's just feeling it a bit with, mm-hmm. with all of the stress and the crashes and the mechanicals, and it all just adds up.
1: Are you, are you worried? You know, inverted comma for for him, uh, because we had so much uh, expectation, I guess, on someone like him going in fourth last year at the at the Tour. Do you think he's feeling the pressure? And then, are you worried about? You just talked about the Demina and how he's right now. The momentum. Is that something that we should be worried about or something that we think he can actually shake in the next few days?
2: I guess I'm I'm not sure if I would use the word worried. I, I as a writer, I think I have a bit more empathy in some ways that I just hope that he's okay mentally. I think that it's such a stressful experience. There's so much hype around the Tour de France. At the end of the day, you still need to enjoy riding your bike. You need to enjoy racing. And if that enjoyment's not there, because there's too much of that stress around, too much of that expectation. And of course, we put the most expectations on ourselves. I just really hope that he's okay and that he doesn't hate cycling <laughs> through all of this. I'd love him to be able to get on the podium of the Tour de France and one day win it. But, you know, I, I, I just really feel for him more than anything.
1: But do you think he's in the right team that can help him? Uh, Because it's a French team, again, he speaks French, uh, Ben O'Connor, but it's not his mother tongue. Uh, Do you think this also can be uh, some sort of a barrier or the team are aware enough in 2022 that they also need to watch out uh, about his mental health as well?
2: Yeah, really good question. I think uh, managing mental health and performance psychology is, you know, it's a really big thing in sport now. But I think a lot of teams are lagging behind in that. But I couldn't tell you which teams because I'm just not sure how they, (laughs) how each team manages it. Uh, At the moment, I think that team is a great place for him to learn. I think that he's made a lot of. Uh, successful days happen and he's made a lot of mistakes and the team has made a lot of mistakes and at the end of the day if you don't learn from that then you're not going to move forward and as long as he learns from this I think that it's still going to be a really great environment for him to keep developing and potentially he'll move teams and he'll have brought all of this experience knowing what he needs from a team knowing what he needs from himself knowing how to manage all this stress I think that it's only going to help. It just probably really sucks for him right
1: now. (laughs) Yeah, we can put it this way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The winner of the stage uh, yesterday, Simon Clark, uh, he he said in a pre-interview that it was just an incredible day for him yesterday. I guess he probably hasn't slept that much. Uh, All I know is because he's liked, not that I'm stalking him, but uh, he's been on social media around 1 a.m. and he was still on social media around 7 a.m. So very short night for him, for sure. Uh, How did you think he, he, he... he felt today being now a stage winner
2: oh i can't even describe the feeling i think when i've won races i've not slept and this is the next level of winning bike races so i I think he would have (laughs) been tossing and turning all night looking at his phone his phone would have been blowing up but even if he didn't have a phone at all. He wouldn't have slept. I think it's just such an amazing feeling. I don't think it would have sunk in until he was back in the bunch today. And I think a lot of guys would have been patting him on the back. And those are the moments when you have your peers around you, people that you respect, coming up and telling you, "Wow, mate, that was awesome." Mm,
1: yeah. So that, that must have been just a whole day for him, or at least the beginning, because he had to line up with the the jazzy wearer. Uh, at At the front of the tour, so that's probably something that he, he also has enjoyed uh, and everyone as as a celebration, I guess. Uh, what do we know about Caleb? Uh, because Caleb, we could have had a thought for him when you know we saw you and I, we saw the uh, the finish going, it's a hard one, so if he if he if, he, if he's able to still be here after a few climbs, that was something that he could have done something, caleb, on on such a such a finish.
2: I think if the stage wasn't raced so hard from the start, that finish could have suited him. But the, the factors of how hard they raced it today, how aggressive it was, how aggressive the last 10K were as well in the bunch. And then he was really sore from his crash yesterday. I think it just was too much for him. I think he was really trying to stay with the bunch and it just wasn't quite possible today i think mm-hmm. on another day maybe but just not today
1: so do you think tonight there's some riders that are thinking that was silly because tomorrow i tonight for australia we've got super planche de Belfi. what have we done today you know it's 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 is, is it a missed opportunity for some riders to take a bit of a rest because the the stage coming up is is pretty strong
2: Yes and no. I think maybe we just called it wrong. I think that you, you think that the riders will want a relaxed day, but it's been said before, Tour de France stages are raced like one-day races because it's a career highlight for mm-hmm. any rider to win a stage of the Tour de France. So I don't really think that there's any no. easy days in the Tour, so... <laughs> Yeah, look at me sitting on a deck chair. I think I should have said that earlier today. Look
1: at me sitting on a deck chair commenting on how easy a stage should be. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, if we just uh, put our attention to, to the stage, it's coming up tonight on SBS, Super Planche de Belfi. So, we went from Planche de Belfi to Super Planche de Belfi a few years ago. They added a few meters with a, a bit of a gravel as well. On a tour, we have a time trial, we've got a pavé section. Now, we are going to a bit of a gravel. It's important, I guess, to have. All the aspects of cycling, but Superplonge de Belfing is becoming quite an iconic climb, I guess.
2: Yeah, it really is. I think that inclusion of the gravel at the end just adds a little bit more interest and excitement. The viewers really, they, the ratings go up whenever there's anything a bit difficult, mm. like gravel or cobbles. Well, the
1: ratings go up when <laughs> anything is called super. Uh, yeah. To start with, <laughs> super duper planche to <de> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but
2: what I'm looking forward to is getting a taster of you know this climb again this year because the women's uh, Tour de France climbers. Yeah. Going up this climb it as actually well, will right finish
1: we'll finish at a super plan defi uh, what are we expecting on the on the actual battle tonight uh, for a super plannge anyone can beat Pogacar, or is can you go back to back on this one as well
2: I think yeah look it's I'm gonna hedge my bets even though I hate to do that is <laughs> maybe they'll let the break win but in terms of the GC battle, today is just going to take more time on the other GC guys, probably.
1: <laughs> is it today where the Yombo Visma can fire back with a bit of a strategy in the back of their head going, we now need to take this uh, pretty seriously, pretty quickly, otherwise this tour is done and dusted?
2: I hope so, but I, I'm not sure if they're just getting things together just yet. What I think, what I would like to see, and it's, it's a team that we haven't actually seen too much of yet, is what Ineos Grenadiers are going to do. And they've kind of talked about playing it differently to what they've done in the past. Are we going to see them be more dynamic on these tougher stages? So, you know, they've got some pretty amazing guys in that team. Mm. And I think that they've got that ability on those tougher climbs to be more dynamic and to be more aggressive.
1: So that that all in all will be a fantastic. I think I always think uh, Super Planche Belief is a fantastic stage. So please tune in for, for this one. Uh, anyone else you want to pick for that stage, and anything you you want to to reference for for the stage coming up tonight? Well,
2: I know Christoph, that you've been a little bit disappointed with your polka dot jersey favorite Absolutely. maybe we'll see Michael Storer try and get a few points and I'll
1: give you a little in as well which I'm not happy about but the other day I went to talk to the media officer for the the FDG Groupama and I said yeah we we are really like I was serious we are really backing uh, Michael Storer to to go for the polka and she laughed out loud (laughs) and she said you really think you can do it I'm like hang on a minute do You want to pick the bear? <laughs> Let's tell him. <laughs> I think he can do it. But you're right. It's, it's Michael Storey could actually do something tomorrow or tonight.
2: Well, he told us uh, at the team presentation that anything that goes uphill and any any steep climb, he's really excited about. He's already about. in the mindset of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think he's finally looking forward to getting a proper climb underway.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Gracie, for joining us today.
2: Thank you, Christoph.
1: This was the uh, Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. And before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash sport, or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, it's of course, bye for now.
0: Before we go, a quick word from our sponsor, Zwift. When it comes to sport, I always tell my kids, rule number one, have fun. On Zwift, fun is fast. Tour de France winner, Geraint Thomas uses it, so too does Matthew Vanderpol, and Australia's Neve Bradbury Zwifted her way to a world tour contract. One of my favourite things on Zwift is seeing the flags of people from all around the globe that I get the chance to ride with. I love the structured workouts, doing meet up rides with friends, and when I'm feeling strong, doing a few races. They definitely hurt, but they are fun. It's easy to get started. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com, and hopefully I'll see you on there soon. Ride on.